Welcome back to Reddit Top Post, where we explore the best subreddits and stories that Reddit has to offer. Today's subreddit is Nuclear Revenge, where regular revenge just isn't enough. Our first Reddit post is by Eva Breakfast. Before I start, I want to say that English is not my first language, so sorry for any nonsense that I type here. This revenge was performed by my mom and her epic mind. It all started when I was born. Life was happy, good, and easy. My brother was good and a working person. He was a college dropout, but always smart, or that's what we thought. My brother went out every night with his friends. Nothing alarming, but very weird. Time passed, and I turned 10 years old, and at this point, my brother had a girlfriend, a son, and had already moved out. It was fun until my brother moved back with me and my parents. Things truly hit the fan there. The first day, we noticed an instant change in both his personality and his appearance. You see, he didn't move back in alone. He came with his son and his girlfriend. We asked why he came back, and he simply said they had a problem, and this was temporary. For his girlfriend, to which I will refer as D, and son, this was true, but he stayed for the rest of the story in our house. When D and her son left, she cuts contact with both our family and my brother, but occasionally asks for money. Don't tag her as bad now, because she had a very good motive. My brother, after this, became a good-for-nothing piece of garbage with everybody in the house. Turns out his friends were actually his dealers, you know, for drugs and all that stuff. Later, we asked why he did that, and why he truly left the house and some other things, and he said, I had a fight with her brother and her dad. It was vague, but true. Sometime around 2008, when I turned 11, we occasionally went to visit Dee and her son. One of those times, my mom asked why she cut contact. The truth was that my brother was emotionally, physically, verbally abusing her. She didn't press charges, but she still refuses to do so because of fear. My mom became enraged at him, but she didn't do anything just yet. Years passed, and my brother stayed in our house. Fights between my brother and everybody here became more and more common. My brother kept doing drugs with two kids in the house, and I started showing signs of depression. More time passed, and now it's 2020, and his first fight with my dad, his stepdad, just happened. My mom was leaving to go to Culiacan, and right after the fight, my brother asked if he could go, and my sister offered to buy him a plane ticket. This is where the revenge starts. You see, my sister bought a ticket to go, but not to come back. My mom was the one to come up with this plan, but my brother didn't know at the time. Culiacan is a city known for being home to various drug cartels, Sinaloa, and it's pretty much horrible, more if you are like my brother. The day my mom returned is when I was notified about all this. I was expecting my mom to come back with my brother, but she came home alone. My brother was left alone in a hotel with no money, no family, or nothing. He tried calling us multiple times through public phones, but he wasn't successful at all. Unless he gets a job in a house, he's either going to die of starvation or is going to get killed by a drug cartel. And this is the first time in years I felt truly happy. Thanks for reading. Man, OP, that's a pretty heavy way to deal with a situation like this, but I completely understand it. Your brother was being a total piece of garbage, and you did what was absolutely necessary and right to keep your family safe. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back in just a moment. Our next Reddit post is by Ordos Deluxe. Let me start this one out by saying that I fully intended to seek revenge on the person in the story, but the aftershock of the eventual confrontation is what led to the aforementioned consequences rather than my direct actions. I work in the UK for a large tech company doing software support. I am part of a team that has members all over the world. I've been in this job for about 10 years, and other than the major issues I've had with this guy, I truly enjoy my job. 
When I started with the company, I wouldn't say that I was green. I had about seven years industry under my belt. I was definitely inexperienced with the company, but the job that I had been hired to do used technologies that I was more comfortable with. The point that I'm trying to convey here is that I wasn't completely oblivious to all the applications supported by our company. Everyone in my team, around 30 of us, was very nice and was very keen to help, except for Shane. Shane is probably what you'd term as the team guru, about five years from retirement, part of the office furniture, metaphorically, as we're all homeworkers. He'd been with the company for nearly 40 years. Everyone labeled Shane as the only guy to go when you were truly in a bind. When I was initially starting out, I did indeed find that Shane was highly knowledgeable and more often than not had the answers to whatever obscure questions you might have. Things were great and our team ticked over nicely. I got to know the rest of the team as well, over phone, over time too as well. And my best friend was a woman named Mel. She was of similar age and experience level to Shane and in my opinion was just as knowledgeable as him. One day, Mel and I were on a brief call chatting about a work issue when we got to shooting the breeze for a while. When we talked about ourselves and also the team, I'd said that I hadn't met anyone face-to-face -face yet, and that was when she told me once she met Shane in person a couple of years ago. She told me that he had serious health issues due to his weight, around 450, 450 pounds, and when he was home, he was often on oxygen and medication. His plan was to ride things out until he was able to take early retirement so that he didn't need to worry about paying for his medical insurance anymore. That sounded like a reasonable enough plan to me, and we were soon talking about something else. The issue started about two years into my tenure with the company. We started moving in a new direction with what applications we were going to be offering to customers, and towards that end, we were trained in a bunch of new stuff. I saw this as a great opportunity and an equalizer. If no one on our team had any experience with this new software, then I would be on equal footing with everyone. This went really well for me, and I put a lot of time and effort into learning as much as possible. Shane didn't show much interest in the new stuff. He still continued to spend much of his time with the legacy tools. In team meetings, you could clearly tell he was getting pissed off that his status as guru was gradually becoming more and more meaningless. This wasn't anything personal. We work in software, and you have to adapt in order to remain competitive. As time went on, it was becoming clear to the team how much work I was putting in, and I was well on the way to becoming the go-to guy for the new software. During this time, Shane would start sniping at me for anything that he could plausibly manage. For example, if I was late to a team meeting because a customer call overran, he'd make sure to interrupt with whatever was being said to comment something like, Oh look, Orders Deluxe has bothered to grace us with his presence, even though he'd been guilty of the same in the past. Things like email chains too. Almost anything I send out that included him and our boss on an email, he would reply with some unrelated complaint or observation complete irrelevant to what was being discussed. One day Mel called me and asked me what my beef with Shane was. I truthfully told her that I had no beef with him, and he just seemed to have it in for me. She said that if she managed to find anything out, she'd let me know. Things continued like this for a couple of years, and I continued to be the go-to guy, and he continued to try and discredit me, and generally paint me in a bad as light as possible. One day when we had a major incident, one that literally could have cost millions in the company in SLA fines if not solved quickly, our manager split us into teams to troubleshoot specific areas, and she paired me up with Shane. I wasn't happy about it, but whatever, I was professional. We got on a call and started working through the issue. As our call progressed, it was becoming abundantly clear why he didn't like me. He knew nothing about the new application. He hadn't done any work on it at all. Everything I asked him to check, he needed hand-holding, even for the most basic tasks. 
Eventually, I shared my screen and said for him to watch me. I went into the guts of the system and went through so many logs explaining to him what I was doing the whole time and eventually found the problem which was with a recent patch where it installed. At this point he dropped them. I went into the guts of the system through so many logs explaining to him what I was doing the whole time and eventually found the problem which was with a recent patch where it installed. At this point he dropped from the call. I didn't think anything of it at the time since our program can be kind of flaky. So I just continued what I was doing. Our process was not to roll back any changes until it had been approved by a senior manager. As soon as I did, I got absolutely destroyed by the incident manager. Apparently Shane had returned to the group call and informed everyone present that the outrage was caused by an error that I had made in the deployment process, and that Shane had told me what the correct fix was and I had refused to implement it then and there. I was furious. He had accurately told them the cause of the problem because it was me who literally demonstrated to him how to find it. I had even foolishly mentioned to him what I thought would fix the problem. Because of how long he'd been with the company compared to me, only our immediate team knew the truth about who was really the better skilled person in the situation. His historical reputation still carried a lot of weight with people who didn't work day to day with him. Because this incident was so major, over a hundred people were on this call, several of them two or three levels of management above our team. He made me out to be a reckless, incompetent moron, and he was believed. Despite my manager's protesting, I was disciplined and given him a verbal warning. He, meanwhile, was congratulated for steering the company away from potential disaster and given a commendation. I was so angry, and a while later Mel gave me a call. Apparently Shane had been bragging to her about putting that smart punk in his place. She was shocked and asked him what he was talking about. His real beef was that he thought I had disrespected him by trying to take over his role as go-to guy for the new software. That wasn't my intention at all. I didn't see it as my fault that he was too lazy to do the work again. I lamented with Mel that she could have recorded the call. She laughed and said that Skype shows when you're recording a call and he'd never have spilled his guts while being recorded. I immediately had a brainwave. I decided that I would confront Shane one-on-one. -on -one. I pinged him on Skype and said that I wanted to talk. He responded with a smiley and just said, sure. I called him and let him know that I was recording this call, and the Skype notification popped up to let all participants know that this was being recorded. I went right for it and accused him of lying about the major incident and said that it seemed like he had major beef with me. As expected, he lied and said that he was sorry that I felt like I had to react this way. He said that he would need to talk to a boss about it. I waited one second and turned off the Skype recorder. I then said that Skype isn't recording and that he knew exactly what he had done. His mask slipped at this point, and he said that he was perfectly in his rights to put me in my place. He said that you need to respect the longer serving people in jobs like this, and that he would do it again in a heartbeat. I didn't hold back. I called him a dinosaur who refused to move with the times, and wanted to coast out his days here without doing any work. He said that he was a couple of years away from retirement, and that he'd be damned if he was going to bust butt for some shiny new software. I said to him, speaking of the new software, had he heard of OBS? Of course he hadn't. And I suggested he Google it, then I hung up on him. Not long after, the messages started. He was begging me not to use a secret recording that I had taken. He said that if he gets fired, he will lose his retirement package and his medical benefits. I told him to screw off and that he should have considered that before trying to get me fired. I passed all of this on to the relevant channels before really giving it any thought. Things set in motion and sure enough, a few weeks after, a company investigation started and he was fired. 
I heard from Mel that he had asked to take an early retirement so as to keep his benefits, but this was apparently rejected. It all came out later that he had significant debts and that he was counting on his retirement package to keep him financially afloat. With no job and no package, he had no money to pay for his medical treatment, which he badly needed, and he was in no state to get himself a new job. And his skills had stagnated so badly that he couldn't even get a new job online. Mel told me that he died about six months. Mel told me that he had died about six months after his whole incident due to his ongoing health issues. I felt conflicted about this for a while. Sharing that recording obviously contributed to his death, but I don't know how bad I feel about it. I'm a young guy trying to build my career, and he actively tried to destroy me. I should maybe have held off when he pleaded for me not to reveal the truth, but he was old enough and wise enough to not engage in such childish games that he played. If I'd known that he'd be dead as a result of this, I'd maybe have done things differently. It's one thing that stays with me, that's for sure. I'm still at the company, and I can tell you that I will never treat a new employee the way he treated me, so maybe the breaking of that cycle is the positive to come out of all of this. Man, reading this story, this has to be one of the most nuclear, nuclear revenge stories that I have ever read in my time on Reddit. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back in just a moment. Our next Reddit post is by Tarzan is My Pony. Honestly, you guys, this is one of my favorite titles. It's Irritating Vegan Temp Takes Office Pranks Way Too Far, So I Destroy Her Entire Life Paradigm. Just found out about this sub and couldn't stop reading. Felt compelled to share one of my more epic revenge tales from about 8 years ago. At the time, I was 27 and a 7 year veteran at a large tech corporation. Senior designer on the communications team by then. The senior copywriter went on maternity leave and leaving a temp in her place. Although irritating in a non-descriptive way, she presented well and seemed competent enough. For later context, she was also an uber dog lover and a staunch and righteous vegan. There were frequent mutual and innocent team pranks, things like replacing a box of diet cookies with a box of Krispy Kremes or covering the laser on someone's mouth, like, oh, you got me, kind of things. Now, let's fix that and get you back to work. Being desperate for acceptance, the new temp started taking things a bit far and seemed to focus pranks directly towards me. Even after a few subtle reprimands from our manager, she continued. Things like slipping inappropriate photos or comments into a PowerPoint presentation on the shared drive. I was about to give or fake crying during morning stand-ups just to gauge reactions. Her novelty wore off fast. Fast forward to the morning after my birthday. She knew I was going to be hungover. I get to my desk red-eyed and thirsty as all heck. I grab my water bottle at my desk, which I always kept full, and started chugging like it was going to save my life. And it was straight vodka. At least two full swallows before I realized. I go straight for my garbage bin to throw up, the slurry of alphabet soup, at least six cans of beer, and god knows what else, and she made sure I hurled. I got most of the vodka out, but already being hungover, it made me instantly drunk again, and I was not impressed. She came in laughing her brains out, taking full claim. I didn't narc on her, but the story made its rounds to HR, and she was giving a stern warning. I would have accepted an apology, even with remorse, but not a shred. In fact, she started calling me Pukey McGee to anyone that would listen. I let it pass for a few weeks, waiting for the attention to die down. And eventually, Revenge Day finally arrived. She always left at 10am to get Starbucks. I took this time to plaster lost dog posters anywhere outside the office she might stumble by on her way back. She fell for the bait, asking around, but no one was the wiser. Once she was cozy at her desk, I went to her car to stage a hit-and-run massacre with chunks of fatty steak, a liter of fake blood, an old leash and collar, and a bag of fake fur. I went to work. 
I'd share the pictures, but it's long gone, but it was very convincing. Looked like a leash was caught around a rear passenger axle, and the dog got clogged and shredded between the tire and the wheel well. I left the collar dangling out the back with a particularly generous portion of gore and puddle of blood. It didn't take long before the others noticed the lost dog posters or the gory car and put two and two together. Eventually, the owner of a white so-and-so with license plate such-and-such, please come to reception, went over the intercom. It's on. It was amazing. She was out in the lot sobbing so hard she was coughing, carefully placing chunks of bloody, furry gore into a box. It took her an hour to gather every precious bit, crying the entire time. My theory was that she wanted to return the dog to its owner as best as she possibly could. It was a shame that there was no owner or dog, but she was too distraught to realize it was fake. I thought for sure the lack of bones or guts and obviously fake sticky stage blood would be a near instant giveaway, but to my utter shock, it wasn't. A scenario I wasn't expecting, but welcome just the same. It was assumed that the dog owner had printed the wrong number on the poster because the remains were never returned. She had the collar and leash cleaned and posted posters of her own in hopes of finding the owner. Given her reputation, there wasn't much sympathy offered. The righteous vegan dog lover was now a dog killer, and I took every chance I could to remind her of that. She took down all her gaudy dog lover crap off her desk and kept very much to herself for the remainder of the term. Bonus that she even left early, but not sure if I can take credit for that for certain. Too long didn't read. Office temp replaced my water with straight vodka when I was hungover, so I convinced her and the entire office that she killed a dog. My god, OP. So there's a disclaimer and some edits at the bottom that are actually pretty important to understanding the story a little bit better. So the disclaimer is as follows. For those that will likely claim she just liked me and wanted my attention, I assure you that was not the case. There was way more background than just hit this story. Even if it were, this was in adulthood, not grade school. And here are some of the edits. So one, OP is not a vegan. However, she is a huge animal lover owns several dogs, cats, and has rescued many animals, wild and domestic. Two, Opie has nothing against vegans, and just the ones that preach to it. Relevant distinction for her personality and subsequent reaction, not just the reason for revenge. Steak bits were an easier way of describing a bag of butcher scraps at the time. And to make it clear to the ones that thought this was petty revenge for a minor inconvenience, there's a list of some more of the more inconvenient pranks. So, some of those pranks are replacing water with God cut, as you heard in the story, hiding car keys then leaving, wasted hour, hours of people's lives, but welcome news to cab companies, and pulling, pulling fuses from cars, okay, that's awful, releasing tire pressure, lacing others' presentations with profanity and photos that could be career-ending. So... OP says, in hindsight, I do not regret coming clean. The believability was not expected, and I froze, but the pranks most definitely stopped. When bullies don't get the point from a passive and apathetic authority, the only route is to pop them straight in the nose, good and hard. Well, OP, I'm glad that the temp learned her lesson. And honestly, I think that it's a really bad idea to just try to be fitting in, but taking those pranks way too far, getting talked to about it, and continuing to do them... I think this is a pretty valid revenge story, and definitely nuclear, but well-deserved. Good on you, OP. This has been r slash nuclear revenge, and if you want to hear more of my content, please subscribe or follow. It really helps me out a lot.